0: Good morning, LifePoint. How's everybody doing today? So good to hear the chatter in church. I don't know if you ever walked into a church before and it was just like dead quiet. You're like, is anybody alive in here? So I love I love being here. I love worshiping with you guys. Uh it's just refreshing, refreshing to be here to worship with you. Hey, if you're new and visiting for the very first time, whether you're here in person or you're watching online, Uh, Let me be be the first to say welcome. So glad to uh, have you here to worship with us. My name is Pastor John. And uh, if you wouldn't mind just texting that word welcome to the number on the screen, 406 219 0314. We we say this every week, but it's so true and it's so important. Church is all about relationships. Amen. A relationship, first and foremost, with God uh, and a relationship with each other. Church is so much more than just coming and sitting and listening to someone for, you know, 30, 40 minutes and singing a few songs. It's a community it's the love, it's the relationships that we have with each other. And uh, that is so, so important. So we encourage you to take that step this morning. Well, hey, uh, speaking of relationships, we have had the opportunity uh, to start a relationship uh, with uh, Boris Salinas, who is the executive director of the Dunamis Foundation in Quito, Ecuador. And our daughter in March, I believe, was able to go and uh, spend some time there at Dunamis and to uh, just see the need and and minister to uh, the girls that are at their foundation. You're going to hear about what uh, Dunamis is all about uh, this morning, but would you welcome to this stage with me this morning, uh, Boris Salinas.
1: Yes. Well, good morning. How's this Spanish? Uh, what, what would be, I see, I see, What would that be? What, what would be good morning in, in, in Spanish? Buenos dias. Yeah, there we go. You see, you you got it. (laughs) Okay, so um, yeah, I just wanted to kind of what Pastor uh, John said is, yes, we've, my wife and I, we've been involved in uh, human trafficking for over 12 years now and we've been working with girls in, um, in the city of Quito, Ecuador. And uh, it's been an incredible opportunity to serve God in that type of ministry. We've been able to see incredible transformation in the lives of many girls in there. But you know, there's a ministry that started just with um, the, the, the focus on only teaching life skills to girls were being rescued, put in a, in a home for three months, and then they were, these homes were either sending them home or sending them to another home that would also last for three months. And um, it was, it was kind of in our hearts that we could do more than that. And God really put in our hearts to um, start a home where we currently have a program that involves uh, 15 girls, and that have been rescued from um, sex trafficking. and uh, But before I dig in more into like what we do and what the ministry is about and all of these things, I'd like to share a little bit of how uh, I got involved and how everything started and how you can also, and I encourage you, I hope that I can encourage you today that um, um, that doesn't matter, you know, your background, your testimony, it, that God can use you and uh, here or internationally to impact many, many people. And um, yeah, so I just wanted to share a little bit of, of who I am uh, and how I got involved. I, I was not a, I was not born, well, first of all, before I start, if my English is not old, right, it's because I'm not, I'm not. Um, I'm not American, so that's the reason. So, um, uh, but I was. I was born Colombian, and that's why my English might not be perfect. So I was born. I was born Colombian, uh, and at 11 years old, my mom kicked me out of the house. And um, really, where I was born, I was born in Bogota, Colombia, where that's like right in the middle of the country really trying to make a way into um, my way into the ocean. I really wanted to see the ocean. Cartagena is where everybody wants to go and see, and that's in the coast of Colombia. And so I started, at 11 years old, started, didn't have no money, so I start jumping in buses, trucks, hitchhiking, and at that age, wasn't that great of um hitchhiker, so. And yeah, so I end up in the border of Ecuador and Colombia, which is the other direction. Uh, and it was, it was it was it was pretty interesting because um, uh, I met I was able to meet this Ecuadorians there at the border, and they're like, yeah, so maybe you should come to Ecuador and see the coast there, and end up in a um, another bus trucks. Finally, end up in the coast of. Ecuador. And, um, the night that I got there, it was really dark. I couldn't see the ocean, but I knew it was there, got in the water. It was, it was the best thing. Um, but the next day when I, when the sunrise, I, I end up in a, in a, in an area that it was really, um, it was just fishermen and people that were living by the ocean and, um, just whatever they could fish and it wasn't um, a really uh, good area so um, really try to what I, how I was making my living after that point was begging digging on the trash and and just whatever I could do in order to survive so really asking people for food at this place was not gonna be um, was not gonna be good so <laughs> Um, I try to make my way back to Quito, where is that's the capital of, of Ecuador, and I met a group of kids. They were um, also living on the streets, um, same age, 13, um, 11, 12, 13-year-olds living on the streets, and just really trying to, um, trying to just make us, that's how they were making their living, was stealing. Uh, they were either uh, cleaning the windshields whenever cars stop at the lights, or they were mixing diesel and water, and uh, they will put a torch, and you'll put that liquid in your mouth, and you'll spit it out, and it'll be like a dragon thing. You'll perform, do a little performance, and you'll get a little money from people, and it's not not good if your teenagers don't do that. That's really, really bad for your health. um, really, it was really bad so um, so don 't think about doing that and but uh, so I did everything I could in order to survive, got involved in drugs, got involved in stealing, just all kinds of stuff in order to, to again survive and when I was in uh, fourteen, three years went by, and uh, Turn that I end up in, in, in juvenile ju, ju, juvenile juvenile, yeah for um, it's like prison for minors, so and up there for stealing and, and uh, it was uh, six months of um, becoming tougher and thinking that you once you leave prison you become you're you you better than others and you can do whatever you want whenever you want and and take. People's stuff whenever you want, and, and that was my mentality. that was when I came out thinking that I could do that. And when I came out and I see all these friends of mine um, that um, were, you know, on the streets as well, and I see a hat across the street. This kid was walking. Um, I guess he was going home or something, and he just had a really nice hat and and I wanted it and so I told my friends hey I'm going to walk across the street you can um I'm 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 going to take his hat and I'm going to leave it there you can take whatever else you want and so I did I crossed the street and um with my friends took took his hat and I thought they were going to stay with this person um and so I crossed the street back, and next thing that happened, is I woke up in the hospital uh, with blood all over my clothes and, and yeah, not being able to breathe well, not being able to see well. So something was not right. But I asked the doctor, what's going on? He's like, well, somebody just hit you in, that, in your head. And I didn't see the hat, so I figured maybe it was the owner that really wanted his hat back or something. <laughs> And I didn't know who it was, so, um, um, but I didn't have the hat, so I figured that was maybe the problem. And but the doctors, I, I was, I'm thinking maybe it's like just a concussion, and I can't breathe very well and stuff. But it wasn't that. It was they had an X-ray going, and what happened was the the person that hit me hit me so hard that broke my skull, and a piece of bone uh, from my skull got stuck in my brain and And they just needed to remove that piece of bone, and I needed to go into surgery. The problem was there that uh the doctors they were like, "Well, you, you can still see us, you can still move normal uh and and that's the weird part because you you, you could have lost half a movement of your body or your sight and right away um, but anyway, so we're just going to do surgery on you and Back then, I, I have met all these group of North Americans, missionaries, churches. They were um, connected on the streets as well. And basically, they used to go to the, church, the, the streets, and, and uh, these churches used to go to the streets and give us food. Every Wednesday night, they will put like a kitchen out and mm. head up, hit, give us some hot soup, and it was it was it was incredible. it was such a good tube um, and Quito can get really cold at night and um, so it was a great opportunity, but they will always ask who wants to accept Jesus they will you know we'll have a sermon, people will share God, and they will always ask who wants to accept God, who wants to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior so I noticed that all my friends uh, my buddies were like, you know, putting their hands up every Wednesday night, and they're like getting seconds on soup, seconds on rice, and I'm like, wait a minute. Why, why am I not doing this? So for three and a half years every Wednesday night, and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior for a plate of soup without really knowing what I was doing and really connecting with, with God. It was just, yeah, you're giving me soup, you're giving me food, why not? Um, and um, well, it wasn't until this accident happened that, um, you know, I was able to be connected with the, again with the church, and they helped me to get the surgery done. And, um, well, they had to pull the piece of bone out, so now I have a, a dent, <laughs> you could call it. But then uh, this North Ameri- there's North American uh, missionaries Showed up in uh, the hospital one day and said, Hey, Boris, uh, would like for you to come and live with us. All I'm saying is this white American, blue eyes, and um, dollar signs. I'm looking at this guy. It's like, man, I can go and live with them, recover from my injuries, and call my buddies, and we'll steal everything these guys have. So, that sounds like a good plan. and um, So, I end up going with this family to live and it was very different. Um, it wasn't like um, all these other Christians that I knew, that all, all they wanted from me is, every time I say, say, say something, if they wanted me to accept Jesus, I'll accept Jesus. They wanted to have a relationship with me. They wanted to know me. They wanted to have to know who Boris is and where he was at and what was, you know, they wanted to have a relationship with me. So that really changed everything about Christianity with me. And it was, it was a great um, great opportunity to know, uh, to know that. And from that point I all my plans of stealing from them was they were gone. So after living with them for eight years, nothing I never took a pencil or anything nothing that didn't belong to me. But um took the best thing which was knowing God. And um but it it was not easy. I it was it was still a a way to walk there and my dad, this North American uh, man, told me, you don't have to go to our church, like you can go to the church that you like. Uh, he, he mentioned a couple that I shouldn't go. <laughs> and, and But my dad's workers used to go to this church that they were part of the band and, and stuff. So I ended up going with them and and this church was a Pentecostal church. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's a different denomination. And, um, and this Pentecostal church was very different for me. It was the first time walking in a, in a place like this where people are speaking tongues and people on the floor. And, and so it was just very, a very different dynamic that was going in this place. And, and back then, I don't know if you're familiar, but they used to have a bulletin that you will fill up your points, and the pastor will give you a bulletin, and they will, you will fill up whatever, and you'll check those notes out later, and just to remi- remind you of what the sermon was. And um, so my dad told me, you bring that bulletin with you, and and we'll go over those things. So as I'm in this church and this people are doing all this, well, I'm here only for the bulletin, so whatever, uh, I don't care and and I can take notes, and they can do whatever they want, but this, it wasn't that, it was this lady, this um, older lady who came up and say, can I pray for you? And I said, sure, you can pray, and she did, she prayed, and but she prayed very different, which she started praying in tongues for me. And a person that has never seen such a thing, and you go like, whoa, this is a little different, and maybe uh, it's all right it's still they can they can do whatever they want and um she didn't pray for very long but a, but a man came up right after that and she he told me he's like he did you hear what what she said and I'm like sure i mean she sounds like she's crazy <laughs> uh but but she was not crazy she um, He said, Well, Jesus is going to come. She said that Jesus is going to come and visit you tonight. That night, right there, I left the church and man, I got my stuff and, and I was ready to go home. So, um, as I'm on the bus going home, I was thinking, Well, maybe, you know, maybe it's my, my surgery. Uh, you know, maybe, you know, I'm just going to have a brain thing and it's just going to die. Or maybe Jesus is gonna show up, and, and he's a ghost, so he's gonna show up and scare me, and and, I, and and die, and I'm just gonna die from a heart attack. So I'm thinking all these crazy things in the buzz, and so I get to where this North American family is, this my mom, this North American lady, and I said, Mom, so this is what happened. You know, I I really don't know what what is uh, what's next. But I knew, it was something in my heart that I knew that even after being three years, three and a half years on the streets and learning about Jesus and God and all this, I knew that if that was the last night of me being in this earth, um, I knew that I was not gonna end up in a good place, that I was gonna end up in a really bad place. (laughs) And I didn't know what it, really meant that like you know i've heard about hell, and i've heard about heaven and hell and all these other things and i'm going maybe maybe that's what i mean like i'm gonna end up in in this really bad place (laughs) so and i really don't want to end up in there so what do i need to do in order to to change that so i asked my mom and she said well you need to accept jesus as your lord and savior and I told her, but i done it for three years. What, what's going to be the difference? Um, and um, she told me, well, the difference is that you know today that without Him, you're not going to make it out of this world. And you will end up in a really bad place. So I did, accepted God that night. And from that, from that point, um, I start serving in the church. Start serving in different places. Uh, at this group of friends, there were about 30 friends, They were living on the streets, and they were all um, they not Jesus. They not know Jesus. So I'm like, I want to share God with all these guys. So that man, imagine now all this. Like all these friends, all my buddies becoming believers. So I'm, you know, I'm just serving God wherever wherever I could sharing the gospel with my friends, but, um, but none of them were not turning into Jesus. As a matter of fact, they were, they were getting killed on the streets, they were getting shot, or they were going to prison and getting killed in prison, and, and I was like, what? And out of the group of 30, only, only two are still alive, um, one is in Belgium, serving the gospel, serving God there, sharing the gospel with the refugees there, and, and then myself. Um, and then, so all of that really made me, um, just really discouraged me from, from continue sharing the gospel and continuing being at church. And it was like, man, I'm doing this, but nothing is happening. Nobody's turning to Jesus. Why is that? And um, I got, again, very discouraged. And um, so I started praying very different uh, from that point. I said, I'm going to stop doing everything that I was doing. So I stopped serving at churches and the churches that I was doing, all these ministries and stuff. I stopped. And I said, if you don't tell me, what you want me to do i 'm just not going to do this anymore I'm not, I'm not gonna, I'm gonna, i' 'm not going i'm going i want to stop satisfying myself serving you I, I want to do what you want me to do and the thing is when you realize that you have a plan from God and each of us in this room have a plan a specific plan you were not born uh, without a plan you you were you were born with a plan, with the design from God, uh, and each one of you have been designed for that. It's, as a matter of fact, it's just the only thing that you need to do is really ask him, like, what is the plan you got for me? What is what is that? The thing is, you might not like the answer of that. Um, and which it was me. I really did not like the answer for that. I really did not want it to get involved in the ministry that it's fighting human trafficking. The ministry had always been in front of me. Uh, I was able to meet my wife in through a church camp, and she was in the same position uh, that I was in. And we're like, well, let's pray this way. But once we received the answer, we didn't like it. <laughs> we're like, well, maybe, maybe not. Maybe, 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 maybe you're confused. Maybe these girls are not the ones you want us to continue helping and supporting and, and, and just encourage them and, and teach them about your love. Because there's a other stuff we can do, but no, it was that. So everything that we did from that point on was to serve these girls and to have the opportunity to share the gospel with them. Now um, is where we have span. this is the type of ministry you go where it's dangerous, it Is uh, you know, you get girls from all different backgrounds, all different situations, things that are demonic, and you go like, what is that? Like, really, is it, is the spiritual world really not? What's going on? What is this? And then you really start um, getting really, Open to what the Lord wants you to do and what you were prepared for, so we were prepared for that and um, it was it was um, pretty interested of walking into a ministry that I'll be sharing with you right now and what we do uh, to um, as, as family and and in the design that God had for our life for our family so um so Dunamis is a ministry that it's um, that it works like I told you against human trafficking in Quito, Ecuador. And we and we have um, a home for 15 girls. But this is our vision and mission of uh, of the ministry that we're working on. We we hope our hope is and our belief is to to be a transformation of a ministry down in in Ecuador so that we can be an example for um, for for the organizations there and also for the government, so that they can take the, the design of uh, Dunamis and then pass it on to different organizations, which is what, what they're doing now. We've connected with the government and now they're using that as... Um, um, the model of uh, Dunamis to to change the different homes that they're there as well. Next one. So as you know, the the how we do it in 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 it's um, obviously we do it through a protection house right now, which is where we get the survivors that are from that place. We usually get girls from. Again, all over the country, coast, jungle, and mountains. And we have, uh, like I said, 15 girls. We have finished another house that will provide um, 12, for, space for 12 more girls. The only difference with, with this home will be that this home will have um, an opportunity to hold 12 girls with babies. So girls that, have, that are pregnant or that have babies. The girls that we're talking about, um, I didn't share this in the other one, but the the girls that we're talking about are girls from eight-year-olds to 17-year-olds. So these are the ages of the girls that we work with. Um, And usually you get 12 12 to 13-year-olds that are pregnant or they already have a baby, so we need to have a home specifically that will provide a space and project for uh, the girls that already have babies. Um, We do it through the community as well. Community outreach is very important. That's where you really fight human trafficking. Um, The the home is important, yes, because there are survivors and you need to have a place for them, but you need um, really where the human trafficking starts and and human trafficking fight starts is uh, in the communities. So we do a lot of awareness in the communities that we work with. And that's where groups like from different churches, from um, um, like when Caitlin was there, when all the other teams that were there were connected, we go out to the communities and share um, the gospel with them. But more than just sharing the gospel, we do the awareness. In these communities, there's no church. There's no local church that we can connect them with. So um, basically, is really telling them about um, what sexual abuse is, that they don't need to be hiding secrets, and you know what, what is, to, what can a person do, what cannot person can do to you, and just different things. We do a different dynamics, and one of the the strategies we're using now, which you'll be pretty impressed. Soc- soccer is the main sport in South America. But the, right now, um, people are, all these kids, all this young generation are wanting to know more about different sports. So American football is like how we're getting to get to these young generations there, and they're like connecting, and this youth are just really, 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 really excited about it. We just had, two weeks ago, we had a girl um, who's a 12-year-old pregnant, and uh, she's from one of the communities that we've been reaching, and it was able, We were able to um, to rescue that girl from that community, and 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 it's because of the awareness that we were able to make in those and impact in this community. So so awareness is 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 key. It's key to to fight human trafficking. You have live projects, which is the we have coffee shop. We have. Um, uh, Agricultural projects with the with the communities. Uh, we grow something. that's called goldenberry. Some of you know it as gooseberry, but we grow it up there, and that's where we get the opportunity to help those families find um, a, a little bit of funds so that they can get. An, um, uh, some money so that they will not sell their kids or get in an in in a opportunity of uh, being trafficked. So, yeah. So, and then we do our personal um, institutional uh, work, which is we work with different entities, and also we we work with um, different um, government institutions and other foundations that we connect with and. Do they work with for the community and also for the girls that are in the house? So next one, Casa Zoe. Casa Zoe is the um, is the is the one that is currently in sight right now. Is the one that's in operations. So that's where we have the girls, um, and hopefully we will be like I. I told you with Casa Spades, which is the other house, will be ready to open up in January. And once we we get that, there'll be a whole house, specifically with girls with babies, so that we will have two separate projects for those girls. Next one. This is Casa Zoe. Uh, We are up in the mountains. We are up in 10,000 feet of elevation. So um yeah, so it's we're really out there, but you get to have a view of the city of Quito from above, and it's really a place where you can these girls can really get um, um transform and and really get the opportunity to get connected with God. We have a Christ Center program, as you read in our on our vision it, that Our focus is to restore the lives of these girls and to get them going so um, they will have a relationship uh, with Jesus once they they leave our project and our program. Next one. This is Casa Spades. Uh, Casa Spades is where where I was telling you where the girls with babies will end up with us. Uh, This house will hold 12 girls and we'll give the opportunity to... um, Our program, it's it's, uh, from... Um six months to a year really doesn't take six months. it really takes a year uh It really takes three months to really break into a cycle of abuse and really create a um a um, relationship with these girls and and they will trust uh the organization that we're trying to do so it takes three months only right there to break into that and um so this place is particular. Will help us break that. And usually, it takes a year uh, to really restore that girl. While we're restoring um, some, depending on the the families that they were that they came out from, uh, we try to identify a healthy family member to restore it, so that we can connect the girl back into that system. Next one. And so our community is. Um, it's to, yeah, to prevent sexual violence. And as I was sharing with you, all these communities and sharing the opportunity to connect uh, the different teams and, and um, yeah, people that come from different churches and groups. And, and that's how we connect our staff with, with them as well. So next one and this is the communities that we work with these are the type of kids that we work with the sexual abuse starts on very young age um you say three years old and 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 that's where these kids get involved until they get rescued then it's you know it's been years after um uh, they get rescued so we try to identify this youngest as we can to work with these communities so that we can um, Having um, traffic free from in this communities. So next one. So again, we do we do it through sports um, and we do it through different dynamics. Right now, we again we never thought that American football will be the tool God will give us. You, you would say, yeah, soccer balls are you know the best thing. You bring soccer and into that soccer is still a big thing, but. Just this young generation is they're very different, and uh, so baseball is another thing that they're interested in. And it's just like they wanting to know more about different sports than just the one they've known for decades. So, uh, upper room cafe. So we have we have a project for the girls that are in the program, and they work. Um, we teach them life skills uh, through our programs as well but this is one of them once they graduate and once they're back into a healthy uh, family um, then they get the opportunity to go through become to learn how to serve coffee to become baristas so that they will be able to to know um, you know, be able to find a job in Quito at, at least for um, to be able to provide themselves with some funds while they're going through school as well. So, next one. The name of the coffee shop is Freedom Cafe, and it's down in Quito, down in the city. So, you know, people will go by and get some coffee. Usually, right now we're getting uh, only our teams are getting there and drinking the coffee from the girls. <laughs> but we're not still not open to the public, but we're almost ready to get to get it going. So um, yes, next one. Uh, our so eyes, our connections is, um, uh, yeah, so again, American churches, we connect with with, with you. We connect with um, the people that are uh, here in the US that are really aware of what's going on and we try to uh, get them here get them there and, and get them connected to to the our ministry there if they're called internationally well that's us or if they're called uh, locally that we can equip those teams and help them get the information they need in order to come back and maybe do the work here as well so next one uh, we also connect with uh, um, government institutions there and uh, go- just local entities that are in in our country. Uh, we partner with other um, other um, will be yeah. We, this was a soccer team from Spain. <laughs> they connect us with and it was a bunch of. Um, uh, gear for for soccer, so it was it was a good day. <laughs> Next one uh, we do hor- horse therapy with the girls, and we connect with ladies that are know a little bit of horses, so they come in and they teach the girls. But our goal there is to really teach the girls not only uh, that a horse can heal you and different different things, but also to so how they can take care of a horse. And in um, and, and Ecuador, there's a lot of people that have horses, so they can actually find a job in a place that will have horses, so then these are the horses, the horse therapy that it's not, we, we, everything we do in Dunamis is to be able to uh, do those uh, so that they will be able to have a, um, an opportunity of work later next one we also teach agriculture so everything that's got to do with agriculture from the seat up to like the product the the complete product and how they can do it even with um like this all the the garbage that you get from the from the kitchen all the dispo the the compost that you can get um how you can make some great compost and um, and get it to your plants and so that's part of the, the training that they get through the time that they're with us and um, how do you want to be a part? if you if you want to become uh, um, a supporter or you want to know more about what Dunamis does and how we do it, this is three different ways you can be connected with us um, and how you can be Uh, know more about Dunamis and um, you can follow us also on on social media and this is how we can connect with us with Dunamis but with all that said Dunamis is yeah it's human trafficking is happening in Ecuador and I'm obviously (laughs) from Ecuador so I'm here and I'm gonna be telling you about Ecuador but guess what human trafficking is not only happening in 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 Ecuador, or in China, or in, or, or in different places, it's happening in the U.S. and and there's it's happening here. It's happening right behind your yard, your your backyard. It's the, these are things that are that as a church and as a as um as leaders, if we don't do um, the awareness, if we're not aware of that, if you're not aware what can happen even to 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 the kids in the church. Um, Things can 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 go crazy, and then you're not really know what would what would happen. But those, those the importance of knowing these things is like okay. So now I know. What do I do? You know, with my testimony and with everything I've shared, is that importance for me is that the local church gets mobilized not only to fight human trafficking, but wherever God's designed for your life or your family has put you in that you can get involved and that you can either, if it's fighting human trafficking, well then it's fighting human trafficking, or if it's involving um, in, in, in um, sharing God's love with the, your friends at your community, wherever that might be it, that uh, you, be, you be ready to open and, and be ready to do it when, when God calls you to do it. Um, I encourage you today that it doesn't matter you know your testimony, how bad it is or how great it is, or if you don't have a bad a super crazy testimony like street kid oh man or or whatever that might be, is that um you you've create you've been created, you've accepted God, you now have that light that a lot of people don't have now, and um the idea is that we get to share that light with others, and 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 um, and that many other people will get to know who our Father is and what He wants for 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 the people around you in your communities. So I wanted to finish uh, this uh, with a. If you will have questions, we can ask. We can talk later, but I have um, a. A verse that I would like for you to um, to read. The, who, who brought your Bibles? Come on. cause I can probably be lying, right? But let's let's read it. Let's read it. So whoever's got the, uh, so let's go to Proverbs thirty-first, eight to nine. I don't. I'm not gonna read it. So whoever's got it can get up and read it. Maybe it perfect. So Proverbs thirty-first or thirty-one. Eight to nine. Who's got it? Come on. You got it? Okay. Can you stand up, sir? Thank you. Oh, okay. yeah that's it so um, I hope that this this, this verse and this um, uh, part of the Bible can encourage you to um, mobilize you to get you uh, going and um, thank you for the opportunity that um, allowed me to come and share and, 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 and share what God is doing in Ecuador and again um, God's calling you to get internationally, that here we are. But if not, what's stopping you from getting involved here, right in your community? Um, and the, my prayers will be to be able to, um, to be able to uh, share as much as we, we've known up to this point about human trafficking, if you want to know more about what we're doing, and we can do that. So Pastor John, would you, would you lead us in, in prayer?
0: Absolutely. Would you, would you stand with us as we uh, get ready to close and pray over Boris, pray over their ministry and and uh, pray for God to move in our hearts. We're, maybe you guys come up uh, while we're praying here, but God, we're so grateful uh, for the work um, that you've done in Boris's heart, his life, his story. God, we um, pray your special hand of blessing to be upon him and Fernanda and his kids and the workers, uh, specifically at Dunamis, we pray for your hand of protection to be about them. We pray for the girls that were, will enter uh, their home, those that are there now, those that will come in the future. God, we pray for the brokenness for um, to, to be healed, to be restored back to you through the gospel. God, all of the other things are needs, the physical, the mental, they're needs. But the most important thing and the most necessary thing is that they find you, that they know you. And so, Lord, we pray that that you would begin to move in a mighty way, that you would just open opportunities and that you would uh, provide for the kingdom to be built through the lives of each of these girls that you would give restoration where restoration is needed and healing where healing is needed and, and that you would just continue to bless God. We're so grateful. We're so thankful. God, give us eyes to see. Lord, help us to, to not just kind of do the Christian thing where we just kind of come, we kind of serve. Like Boris was saying, Like I kind of got tired of just, just kind of going through the motions. God, help us to see the real need to see where you're calling us, calling us specifically, that we would have eyes to see the people around us and say, God, I'll go, I'll go, I'll share Christ, I'll share my story with those that need to hear. And God, we pray that you would just move in a mighty way, not just here, but Lord, uh, all over our nation, all over the world, those specifically uh, that are uh, in the bondage of human trafficking, God, and Lord, may, may you open our eyes to this, May we not turn a blind eye, God, to what's happening in our world today. But may we, God, as Proverbs 31 says, may we see the needs. May we rise up and judge righteously for those that, that cannot speak for themselves, that those that cannot do anything for themselves. Lord, may we step in and may we see them and enter into their need. God, move in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, Boris. Uh, Paul said in Romans chapter one and verse 16, he says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God and the salvation for all that believe. You know, a lot of times we we look at our lives and we say, well, I don't have Boris's story. You know, I I grew up in a Christian home and uh, I don't have a story like that. I was a street kid. I, you know, I, I had everything and I don't have a story like that. But let me tell you this morning, you have the gospel, And if you have the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's what transforms lives. And you know what people need most from you? You know what they need? They don't need all your education. They don't need all your answers. They need to hear how the gospel of Jesus Christ has changed your life. That's what they need. Because one day somebody shared that with a kid on the street and said, I want to share with you this God that I know. I wanna share with you this life that I have through Jesus Christ. And I'm willing to wrap my arms around you and show you love and care for your needs, but share this God with you. Church, that's what Christianity is all about. And look at the impact. Look at the impact of one person ministering to one person. And now the impact of that one person saying yes to the gospel and yes to Jesus and the call of God and the people that will be affected for generations just because somebody was willing to take a risk, right? Just like we talked about last week, Jonathan took a bold risk for God. I'm thankful for the Jonathans of the world. Let me tell you, I'm thankful for the Borises of the world who are willing to step out and say, I'm not, it's not enough to just sit and do the the, the bare minimum for Christ. I want to do something great for him. And I want to take a step of faith. I wonder this morning if there's anyone like that. Does God do that anymore? I think he does. I think he does. But we in our padded homes and our wealthy nation, are we willing to say yes? God, I'll go, I'll give, I'll open my hands, I'll give them my resources, I'll give them my time. God, I'll I'll do whatever it takes to build your kingdom and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to those that desperately need it. Oh church, Christian Americans, may we open our eyes to the needs around us. May we open our eyes and may we see what is most important. What is most important? God, break our hearts. Remind us of our need for you. Remind us, God, of what we have. I've been so reminded, just a little bit of time with Boris, I'm just like reminded of how blessed we are as a nation, how blessed we are as Americans, the houses we live in, the cars we drive, the food we eat and the things that we have at our disposal. God, would you break our hearts for the world and the people that don't have the things that we have and that we would begin to leverage what we have, God, for your kingdom instead of our kingdom. God, move in this place move in our hearts, and may we be people who are willing to go, who are willing to share, who are willing to help those that are willing to go and share the best that we possibly can. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you worship one last time with us?